You're listening to part two of Five Days in June from Tokyo Jazz Joints Podcast. Um, okay, we're going from Bop to a similarly one syllable named uh, another very lovely joint, although very different, with a very different. Uh, and this was uh, down towards what would have been the old downtown area of Hakodate, pretty near the station, uh, to a very, very pleasant spot called Leaf, Jazz Spot Leaf. And um, we did not know anything about Leaf before we went there. No. Literally nothing. We just knew the name. I don't think we'd even seen a picture online. No. It was one that we got fairly late. I had in my notes that it was sort of a late add to our list. And um, it was great. Um, the owner, Mizuyama-san, you can see from the really, really nice picture you got of him. He's just got a lovely smile. And he sat and talked with us for about an hour before we had to get our train. And um, clearly, you can already see there's something very unique about Leaf, even though it's cold northern Hokkaido. Look at those outdoor tables that he has there. That's not something you'd ever see uh, in the rest of Japan because there's just no space. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I posted uh, on the story that that we did as as we were going on this trip, which you can also find on at Tokyo Jazz Joints Instagram in the highlights. Uh, this is probably the only, uh, with the exception of one that's coming up in the next couple of days, the only jazz joint with a sort of an outdoor space that we've seen. Uh, and I mean, um, well, an outdoor space is probably uh, exaggerating slightly. It's a few tables sitting in the street, but this area in particular had a very it almost had a kind of a southeast asian feel to it didn't it i mean it was it was it was a bit more run down perhaps and he did he actually talked himself about um how this downtown area really had been quite decimated economically and how there wasn't much going on but he did say on that street you know there are a few bars they put tables out in the summer months uh, and there's definitely quite a vibe along that street but um it was really really nice to be able to do this in the in the summer because obviously in the winter if you were to visit here it'd be a very different picture probably snowing um, <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, you definitely wouldn't be sat outside having a chat in a t-shirt no. but uh, well uh, i think that that's why he that's why you know it was a big appeal of this place because he opens early he opens at around 11 a.m and um then in the evening takes a bit of a one-hour break and then opens up as a bar occasionally has some live music as well you can see it's a two-story place with all of those great photographs just just there i i don't know whether he takes them in or covers them but i mean obviously it's going to be a punishing winter in Hakodate. Uh, so a little bit unusual to see those photos like that. But um, yeah, just a, a great, great spot. Um, but Philip, yet again, some more breaking news. Sorry, and this time, not so good. Uh, yeah, it's not closed, but it's moved. And interestingly enough, we didn't really follow up on it. It moved only about six months, uh, sorry, four months after we visited. No way. I was checking out the website and it said it moved in October 2018 to a street not very far away, uh, but a much smaller, not nearly as impressive looking space. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that conversation that we had about the decline in, in customers, the decline of just people coming to this central part of Hakodate instead of, 
you know, coming to town during the day to have lunch and to shop, they they go to all the suburban type, you know, strip mall places. Yeah. So it's definitely been, you know, depressed. There's a lot of empty shops as as is everywhere in Japan. And I'm I'm guessing that maybe one of the reasons he had to move to take a smaller space was because, you know, he just couldn't afford this building, which is quite large. But um I, I am gonna get in touch with him because I remember he was very, very nice. He yeah. gave us his business card and and maybe, you know, I can ask him to to do a short interview. But uh, so it's a shame that that this version of Leaf is no longer there, but but at least a, a new version is open. So do stop by if you're in Hakodate. Amazing. Um, you, you feature uh, in this series of photos, I'm sure uh, that's probably clear to everyone. Uh, in fact, yeah, you're in there I, twice, I, which has got to be a have, new record. And and actually, well, I, the, in, on this occasion, you're deliberately in the photograph. So I have framed them to include you. Normally, it's a case of me trying to figure out how to crop a photograph because you've wandered in inadvertently. <laughs> but actually, you're you're heavily featured here. Is that also just looking at the um, photograph of you and him sitting outside? It looks like, oh no, it's is it iced tea? Were we on beer at that point in the morning? No, 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 we were not. I, I, I realized very quickly that there would be no way to get through the day. That's that's a mango juice. Mango yeah. juice, of course it is. Yeah. What else? Yeah, because, of course, what do you expect except for mango juice in northern Hokkaido? <laughs> but uh, I, I am perplexed at why I, on the morning of day one, my hair looks like the evening of day five. Not sure what was going on there, but it could have been very windy in Hakodate being a port city. So um, I'll use it. that as my excuse. That'll yes. be it, yeah. Um, that's a shame to hear that it's moved, um, but, uh, you know, a beautiful space. Kind of quite uh, knockabout inside, you know, bits of chipboard here, there, and everywhere. It's yeah. sort of like it looked a bit like at one point, like the wa one wall had been knocked through. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see what the new space is like, certainly. Um, it, it was a nice uh, place for me to photograph. I had all the time in the world. You were chatting away to him. I was just able to wander. And I think his wife was also in there. She was knocking up some food. Uh, at that point, so every so often she would appear. Um, I think he hadn't told her that I'd be photographing. So the first time she came out, <laughs> I was just wandering around inside of my home with a camera. Uh, but uh, once who I is this guy? Yeah. yeah, once I explained, it was fine. Um, and uh, yeah, another really nice place. And again, just uh, fantastic to not only uh, document the places that we intended to see, but also to uncover gems like this. And again, for me, like photographically speaking, you know, there's a coherent set of photographs of this place that, you know, can can no longer exist because, of course, now that it's moved, even if you were to go back and photograph it, it's a different kind of space. It's going to have a different kind of atmo atmosphere and so on. So I'm so glad that we managed to get that uh, place photographed, uh, you know, in such a timely fashion. Certainly, certainly. So we're finishing up there and it's really, it's only lunchtime. We're feeling really proud of ourselves. I actually made a note in my diary. Well done. Three spots before lunch. Um, <laughs> Does it really say well done? Well yeah, done, James. Yeah. Dear diary. Well oh. done, you. Yes. So we move over to uh, Hakodate Station, unfortunately picked up, uh, and it must have been a bad bento because I underlined that three times. Very bad bento. Bento being a Japanese lunchbox that you buy everywhere. <laughs> Usually high quality in the stations, actually. I don't know. I guess I just made a bad choice. But we get on the train ride to Sapporo, which is about, oh, what did you say, about two and a half to three hours, I guess it no. was. No, isn't this the train ride that was like four and a half hours? 
Was it four? Yes, because I remember as we were planning this, we were like, it can't be that far. Because you look at, again, we, we've mentioned this a few times, you look at it on a map, whatever way Japan is represented on maps, it looks much smaller than it really is. So you, I remember looking at that and then, you know, obviously because we were on a schedule, perhaps more so than we would normally do because we didn't want to miss places just out of carelessness or laziness, we, we, we planned it quite carefully, you know, so we, we made the calculation, okay, well, we have this long in Hakodate, then we need to get up to Sapporo because, you know, we only have one night there and we want to see X, Y, and Z. And I think as we were looking up the bullet train times, it was like four and a half hours. And I was like, it cannot be that long because we... Uh, well, okay, you know what? We realized, no, I've, I've got it here. It was three hours and 50 minutes. Okay. The, the, Close the, enough. Reason, the reason we made a mistake is because it wasn't the Shinkansen. It was not the bullet train. Oh, it um, wasn't. We, at, at that time, there was no bullet train connecting Hakodate support. So it was a local express train, which meant, I mean, that's way, way slower. That's it, yeah. So, so, you know, it, you know, if it was the Shinkansen, it would have been about an, an hour and 20 minutes. So, because um, yeah, we a actually, very long We actually ride. toyed about, we toyed with the idea of flying, I think, didn't we? We thought about going back to Hakodate <laughs> Airport, but we weren't able, there was no flights. Or the, that, no, yeah. that doesn't exist, I think. So, uh, we had to go for the train in the end. So, yeah, it was a... And it was it was a beautiful ride, though. I mean, you know, the, the island of, of Hokkaido is, as we said, it's very mountainous. It's very spaced out. Um, yeah, it was a lovely ride, but definitely it, it, it made it long. And and by the time we got to Sapporo City, um, I think it was coming up at around around five o'clock or so, right? Five five thirty. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm just looking at my phone there, and at two forty, I've got another picture of you asleep against the window. So how much? <laughs> <laughs> How much of this beautiful Hokkaido countryside you saw, I would say, is questionable. I mean, like... I would say that you could make some good money, you know, your next series should just be portraits of sleeping jazz fan, because uh, you've got at least a hundred of them. That must have been, uh, must have been something I mean, you were deliberately looking for. You're so for. full of it sometimes. Like, oh yeah, beautiful countryside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fast asleep with your sunglasses on. So even if you woke up, you wouldn't necessarily have seen it in, in all its green and luscious glory. <laughs> but anyway... So we got to Sapporo. Where do we stay in Sapporo? I don't remember. Okay, we we the first thing we do is uh, so you had uh, told me that oh James James leave the booking to me I I know how to find good deals. Now wait a minute don't uh, don't start with this because all the places we stayed were 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 great. Okay, well, we'll get to that later, but uh, yeah, all right. The first, no, we got to say the first place, you said Capsule Hotel to me, and I was just immediately like, I'm not staying there, I'm going to get my own place. <laughs> For people who don't know, the Capsule Hotel is those hotels where you're sleeping in what is basically a, a little oversized coffin with a tiny window. <laughs> Okay, that's not a joke that you've seen on TV shows, you know, looking at Japan. These are real places. Um, now, what I did not realize was that the modern version of these are by no means uh, as claustrophobic. It's actually a, a, a quite a square cube, I guess you would say, with a curtain that you can kind of leave open to see out. And uh, very modern, very clean. With an onsen, uh, a hot springs bath in the place. So uh, when we dropped off the bags, I was I was quite pleased to see that. So you know, it didn't turn out too too scary. But we had to rush. Do you remember we we dropped the bags and immediately raced over to the center of town to go to a place that is definitely in the top twenty most famous jazz spots in the whole country. It's a place that I'd heard about for years. I know you had as well, and it's called Jamaica. Um, and I mean, there's really only one thing to say about Jamaica. It has over 20,000 albums all in the shop, 20,000 just in the shop. The owner, Higuchi-san, 
died, unfortunately, in 2016. Um, he has uh, the rest of his collection in his home. Um, and don't even forget, there's 4,000 CDs in the bar as well. So there is literally no bar in Japan, I would say probably in the whole planet, where you will see more recorded music in one not very large space. Um, it's absolutely epic just going in there. Yeah, I think what struck me um, about Jamaica more recently was that some of the photographs from this trip I'm just getting around to editing now and obviously wanting to post them in time for this podcast uh, and this series of episodes going out. But one thing that struck me with a lot of the places that we went to was the age of them. You know, there a lot of them are like since 1960, since 50 this, since 60 mm. that. So a lot of them you're looking at like f at least five or six decades. Um, and I know that you referenced Jamaica in a previous episode, because uh, the, the original owner, of course, uh, as you say, sadly passed away, but it's been taken over now uh, by a much younger female owner who uh, looks that, she, you know, seems like the sort of person who will definitely be going strong for the next few decades. So, well, no, that's that's his daughter. It's yes, his daughter, that's, right? That's, yeah, his, yeah. that's his daughter. Yes. And she she I remember we talked to her and uh, she definitely um how would we put it? she she definitely had the right manner to run a bar oh, yeah. by herself no nonsense uh, she, no nonsense she, she grew up in bar um she definitely knew how to handle her business and um yeah she was pretty clear about it that she wasn't just running it you know to help the family out she she said like look i grew up here and you know i'm taking it over my mom comes too you know the the, the her mother comes by to help out as well yeah. but i mean um it's just it's just amazing cuz you you look at the different angles of the photos that you took and it's kind of hard to believe. It's like, wait, th surely those th that can't be possible. Am I seeing a reflection? Or no, no, that's all the album. Look at look at the amount of music in this place. I just I still can't get I can't get over it. Well, I mean, you know? now to be fair, you are looking at a reflection in one of them, but it, the reflection is of this huge wall. And one of the reasons I took that uh, that second photograph in the series is because, uh, sorry, the third photograph in the series. One of the reasons I took that is because. The, the the scale of the record wall, it's almost impossible to, to photograph it, even with a mm. wide-angle lens, because it's quite mm, a narrow mm, mm. space, isn't it? But it just has yeah. that huge wall of records. And then, of course, nestled just down in the in the middle of that whole record wall is one another one of those beautiful, beautiful uh, Paragon sound systems. I mean, it's just stunning like it's a the sound place. in jamaica was was unbelievably good yeah i mean it's it's probably um you know you can see i mean th there's no nonsense it's it's all about the music there and this is definitely not a place that you would come to have a big drink up because i'm very certain that that the young uh, Miss Gucci and her mother Miss Gucci would would kick you out very quick. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you can see you got the uh, uh, a photo with you can see between the shelves it says in Japanese, "Do not touch the records." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, needless to say, I really wanted to touch of course the you records. Did. <laughs> you know, of course I you really did. wanted to have a poke through, but I wasn't going to risk that. Um, absolutely, just a, a superlative place and worthy of its fame as as the jazz bar with the most single records. Um, if there's anywhere else, I, I don't think we've missed it. We've been doing this project and for a very long time now. And um, there's certainly nowhere else in Japan that has this much in, in one space. No, I think so. So um, it's got to be on your list uh, if you are like us, jazz joint hunters. Uh, you got to make it up to Jamaica. It's just incomparable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... You can tell from the photograph of the CD wall, actually, that it was still fairly early in the evening. 
And again, this probably just puts some perspective on the on the 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 itinerary and the strictness of of what we put together because we were really conscious having traveled all that distance and and incurred that expense that we wanted to uh, make sure that we got to the places that we wanted to see and also to try and for me certainly to capture them uh, with the camera as well so we 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 literally did once you had got over your excitement about the hotel we literally dropped our bags and headed straight around to Jamaica and I think we got in you know almost immediately that it had opened which is why again you can see that there's really no one there. I think there was maybe one other customer sitting uh, up uh, close to the mirror, but beyond that, it was just the two of us. And so not only did it give us a chance to to chat to the owner, but um, it also gave me a chance to photograph the place. Uh, And uh, I think for me, which I'd forgotten about until I uh, reopened all the files, but what about that clock? What about that beautiful clock designed as a turntable? Fantastic. Fantastic. Everything in the the place was perfect. The clock, um, the sign. I love the sign. I just thought that simple simple font on the sign was just great. The way they've got the liquor and the liquor cabinet. I mean, it's kind of just like the Uber Jazz Bar, you know? And it didn't, it's strange because it's, you know, it's 19, since 1961, but, you know, clearly the decor has been upgraded since then. Um, I I don't know when it is. If if, uh, some of our listeners out there, I do know who are Japanese or uh, non-Japanese who can read Japanese. Um, our very good friend at uh, jazzkisa.jp has a lot of information on Jamaica and the owner, Higuchi-san. He's got a quite interesting background story. It's a bit long to go into on, on this podcast. Uh, but if you can read Japanese, head over there and, and check that out. You can read some more about the history of not just Jamaica, but also how jazz... You know, it's interesting because, you know, it is so far north to get to Sapporo. It's it's Japan's uh, most farthest north major city, and yet it did have a very lively jazz scene, both domestic and foreign acts coming to play. Um, so that's one for, for the history buffs out there. It also has a lot of the uh, red brick buildings that were built, built originally um, after the uh, Meiji Restoration period. So, you know from the sort of mid 1800s that we talked about previously mm. and and so again that's quite something that's quite unusual you don't really see that um very much there there's maybe the odd exception but south of of Hokkaido Island you really don't see many red brick buildings and I mean, part of that is of course uh, the history of it and the fact that it was probably spared uh, more so during the war but also when it was when Japan was being bombed but also of course uh, the heat uh, you know uh, it, south of Hokkaido sometimes can be so oppressive that uh, you wouldn't want to be sitting in a red brick house but of course up in in Hokkaido even in the summer it doesn't get particularly warm so it's possible to build that way and uh, the other thing that I think stands out with with um, Sapporo as you're walking around is that uh, in, in the winter, you can probably walk a lot of the distances underground because uh, we did walk uh, a couple of times along quite long, straight sort of boulevard type roads, which again is something that you, you don't necessarily see in places like Tokyo. It's, it feels a lot more planned out. It feels a lot more symmetrical in the way that the roads are put together. But the way that they've designed it is that you can actually take a lot of underground passages and then uh, along the roads uh, at, at street level, it's sort of punctuated by these elevator shafts that you can come back up. So again, in the <laughs> bitter right. winter, you don't have to be walking yeah. around. Oh yeah, you can go all, we, we went down to check that out, I remember. And, and you know, conversely, uh, because it is not very hot in the summer or at least not very humid and the streets are very wide, do you remember how many shops we saw with these really 
big windows that were all open and tables that were spilling outside. Yeah. Something that's just not possible uh, physically in Tokyo. So it, it's got such a different yeah. feel and, and very lively. I mean, because again, it's, you know, the summer, it's it's summer, but it's not that, that crazy humidity. So it's enjoyable to be sitting outside having your dinner. And so we just saw dozens and dozens of these places. I was really impressed with Sapporo. I, I felt that it was a city that seemed very livable, but also lively enough that you wouldn't be bored. Yeah, um, I think it's the sort of place that if you if you were a hardened Tokyoite and you just had finally had enough of the people and the expense and the the claustrophobia, you could move to Hokkaido and and in some ways probably have the best of both worlds. You know, it, it it's mm. big enough that there's a lot going on. Uh, you have all the luxuries of living in a big city, but uh, you're very close to getting out into the countryside, uh, and there's a lot more of the island to explore. It's a lot cheaper to live and so on. So definitely somewhere that you know I toyed albeit, you know, just theoretically with uh, the idea of moving to. Having said that, of course, basing that judgment on a summer trip would probably be a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, Well, the good thing is that the city has a, it, it's got a little subway system as well. And um, which, of course, we utilized because do you remember um, after Jamaica, uh, which is which is fairly, fairly central, um, we headed uh, on the train a couple of stops to kind of a more, you know, quiet residential area to a place that quite the opposite of Jamaica, which is very well known. This place is completely unknown. I mean, there is no information about this next joint almost anywhere. We were able to find it, just find a little bit. It says Jazz Bar, etc. There's one picture. And we added it to our list. And it's uh, one of the many places in Japan called Rondo. Mm. Um, do you remember how we got there when we got off the train? We had to walk around a little bit. Yeah, I remember it being quite confusing. I remember it being, I'm just looking again at the, at the time stamp. So it was about 8 o'clock by the time we got here. So it was definitely dark and we were walking along like a road and it was very much like the are we there yet or have we passed it and obviously we we're using google maps uh, to try and get us as close as we could i remember a convenience store and then not long after that going down a stairwell uh, to one of these kind of classic uh buildings with uh, a few different floors i think it was in the basement wasn't it and uh, a sort of a definitely fake in the wall. definitely in the basement and uh, and you can see the first picture you have there so it says it says uh, Chika Tempo, uh, Chika Tempo Go Annai. So it's the, the basement shop information sign. And right next to Coffee and Jazz Rondo in the Japanese uh, Katakana script is is Country Road. I, I'm, I'm intrigued I, by Country Road, I have to say. In yeah, fact, I, I can't believe remember. that we missed it. What do we? I don't. You know, what? I mean, it's amazing. I, I just think it had been a really long day. And because normally that would have been something that would have jumped right. I mean, come on, a country music bar or is it a John Denver tribute bar? I mean, it could gotta be. be country. John it's Denver, be country. very big in Japan. But in any case, I mean, you know, look at that mix of signs there. So you've got the Coffee and Jazz Ronda, the Country Road, um, you know, whatever Yoyan is on the left, and then Hana on the bottom left, which is a classic name of like a snack bar, right? You know, you could just imagine the Mama-san that runs it. So this building here with these six little hidden joints. And I mean, Ronda was, was just, you know, again, a classic surprise. Walk in. The first thing that I noticed, and and you've got it in your third picture of the interior, the fourth picture in the series. Look at those seats, man. 
I mean, don't those seats just look like the Pan Am Airport building in New York in like 1965 or something? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But they're in good yeah. condition. You know, usually oh, yeah, yeah. when you see those kinds of seats and that decor in the jazz bars, it's kind of a Shiramudan type situation, you know, where they're falling apart and all the, the stuffing inside's out, you know, or yeah. they're scuffed up. But here they looked pretty pristine and it was a surprisingly clean joint um, considering the, the, the age and the basement location and the very very old knickknacks all around um you look at that little you know radio that you, you is that a radio or tv i can't even tell the one with the cd next to it um i think it's like um tuning yeah, it's, volume it's, it's, it's got to be a radio right it, it must be right it's, it can't be a tv but it's got like a, it's got like the phone number uh, on it in tape hasn't it <laughs> I mean, where do you even start? I don't know. It, it's just, let's have a look. Uh, oh, there's a closer, uh, I was looking at the different photo. Standard broadcast. Yeah, there's no way that's a TV, like. No, it's a, no. It's got to be a radio, hasn't it? It's strange with that little screen on it. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, but, no, those no, there's the numbers, the, the frequencies there, the 60s, 70s. So okay, yeah, it's, it's okay. Just, yeah, it's just yeah. a fancy-ass radio. But, well, um, but we're not as old as we think we are then, because we don't know what that is. But um, in any case, we sat we sat down along the, the wall there on those kind of benches. And um, I remember the owner, he was a little bit hard of hearing. And so right. he had to come very, very close uh, to take our order. Uh, was quite a bit, bit surprised, I think, that we were there, obviously. <laughs> he, may, he asked us a couple times, do you live near here? <laughs> Are you from Hokkaido? Do you live in this city? And I was like, yeah. no, no, we don't. Yeah. Uh, we didn't go into the whole story. I think we told him a little bit about it that, well, you know, we're, it's our hobby to go to jazz joints and we like to take pictures. And he said, yeah, it was fine. You know, he had no problem with it. But uh, that guy was ancient. We did not get much of a chance to talk. Unfortunately, I mean, like you said, it was Friday. It's past 8 p.m. So a bunch of regular It was loud as well. And I think as Very well, you know, sometimes places that we go into, we feel maybe the need to kind of talk a bit much or or to kind of really sell the project and get mm -hmm. across what we're doing but he was one of those guys that wasn't really that bothered he was just kind of a bit bemused by our presence there was a couple of salary men uh, at the bar as well who thought it was hilarious and then we just kind of settled in had a drink uh, marveled at this find uh, i i got my pictures you know asked him permission again that was a challenge because i think again he was like what um but um once we got that message across um yeah we took the pictures just going back to that radio slash tv james i noticed there's a tiny little notebook with a pencil i wonder is that uh, a request form for the music or is it just I, I don't the know, on. because, I mean, it's it's just all the way there at the end of the bar. So I, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, obviously, the little hand thing that can hold the CD is, you know, now playing or whatever. But, you know, and of course, the, the requisite completely random statuette on top of it of somebody holding the red umbrella. Just how many times have we seen jazz joints that have this kind of like random bric-a-brac, like just scattered around? That many. has nothing to do with any jazz. But um, I really liked Rondo. And, and because it was not central, because it was sort of, you know, three, four stops into a residential neighborhood, you know, very, very local. It'd be the kind of place that probably, uh, you know, I'd always stop in on the way home. Um, not not so much more we can say about it because, you know, because the guy's hearing was so poor. I mean, do you remember he was, I have it in my notes, he was pretty much shouting at the regular customers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and and they were you know having to kind of shout back to him uh so he could hear uh but yeah a very very unique joint and again only in japan you know i like the picture you got it's funny because the picture of the sign outside makes it look a lot busier than it really was from that angle i guess that was sort of a commercial street in the neighborhood but from the other direction and side streets it was completely dark so definitely not an easy place to find yeah i mean there's a couple of things that stand out for me i mean i think we'd be very remiss not to mention perhaps the only example of a jazz fan and i don't mean someone who likes jazz but a a literal (laughs) jazz fan Uh, two there's actually two of them sitting on that uh that beautiful old uh, leather box or leather case um which you know again uh probably quite handy down there in the uh, summer months of hokkaido uh if it gets a bit sweaty um but also of course this slightly mysterious set list which has been written out um beautifully uh on a on a sheet music a piece of sheet music and then it has this photograph now i'm not sure if the two are connected i noticed that the person playing the double bass there it it does say that it was a japanese photographer now whether or not that was him or someone else i don't know um the uh the musician is miroslav vitos oh this would have been this would have been weather report right i mean i'm sure ah of course because weather report were huge here um except but but then the clearly the photo well you see because the photo can uh, can't have anything to do with the uh no it can't can it because they wouldn't be playing these covers they wouldn't be playing st louis blues and 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 it wouldn't have been i mean that photo looks way older i mean look at their look at look at their hair and their clothes yeah, yeah fair enough yeah. So I think that those two things just this yeah those can't be those just can't randomly, be related uh, yeah um, it's I, not like uh, it's not like jazz joints to have random assortments of uh, <laughs> objects just sat side by side is it so really breaking the mold there and yes. um, just in case anyone's confused as well the uh, the faux brick wall outside Rondo of course that's signed by uh, Lester Young Coltrane and Monk you've probably guessed uh, as well already particularly as you've seen the real McCoy and other places that these are not. Uh, in this case, signatures by the musicians that, themselves. That wasn't, you keep calling that a four brick wall. That was a real brick wall. No, it was yes, not. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. There, there is no way that there is a, a real brick wall in the basement of that building but in why, Hokkaido. But why, why not? It's a, why wouldn't it be? They, they, buildings were made of brick up in Hokkaido. No, Are 150 sh- years ago they were. Not Not now. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I, I see when we go back to Rondo for the second visit, I will, the first thing I'll be doing is I'll be, well, the first thing I'll be doing is I'll be going to Country Road. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to be in Country Road. You can you can check out the architecture. Yeah, tell me about it. I want to go hear some some shit-kicking music, man. <laughs> but like, anyway, by, by this point, we were starting to get, also, the other thing that was kind of confused, was interesting, was this, what looks like a, a car registration on the wall. What, what is that? That J A eight Z? That's not a registration either. I don't know what that is. I, it I may mean, be just something. I you know again ham crabu. Oh, it's a radio ham radio thing. Is that what it is? It says a ham hamu hamu crabu. Would it be a, a ham radio signal or something? I mean, I don't I don't know anything about ham radio. Isn't that what those people like do out of their house? Like as a hobby? it's like CBR like, kind of. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, but why would he have? Surely you couldn't be doing that down in the basement. Next to the emergency, <laughs> next to the one one zero emergency telephone line for the Hokkaido police. <laughs> 
I mean, the plot thickens. I think we do need to go back to Rondo. Yeah, maybe at yeah. a time when there's less music playing and we can actually chat to the owner just to maybe unpick one or two of these things. I love I love when we have these, uh, you know, because sometimes we've got such comprehensive um, histories of the places because they've been documented in Japanese and then we talk to the owner and we know regulars and, and, and we get a full picture and sometimes we're just like, man, what the hell's with this place? Like, we have no idea what's going on here. And uh, yep. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of these. Definitely that. I mean, and like we said, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything online about Rondo. So um, I'll, I'll ask. I do know um, two people who are from Sapporo, uh, jazz jazz guys. So I, I can always try to pop them a, a question. But I mean, I, maybe they might not be familiar with it because it is in a, in a local neighborhood. So it seems unlikely. Let's be honest. Yeah. So at this point, James, according to my timestamp, <laughs> uh, it was 8.30. So... 8.30, so we've been, we've, been now, and, we've been on the move for 14 hours, yeah, uh, including so, a flight and a long train ride. Yeah, yeah and then, you know, from, from Jamaica onwards, you, you probably want to add a couple of drinks here and there into the mix. So mm. we were definitely starting to feel the burn at this point. But, mm. uh, you know, troopers that we are, we still had two more places to get to. So mm-hmm. where do we head next? Well, we go to uh, one of the larger spots, uh, back to the right in the center of Sapporo, uh, a place called Bossa. This podcast was produced and created by Philip Arneal and James Catchpole of the Tokyo Jazz Joints Project. Thanks to Brian of Grooves Ahead for audio assistance and also to Louis Elastic for our theme music.